it's tough because even being the founder of Better and trying to advocate, it's really important to talk. There are moments when personally I found it difficult to talk and it's crazy to say it and to think it but it's important to be honest about it you know there were times maybe six seven months ago where I got upset I was related to to my brother but I got upset and it should be easy enough just to go to my wife and say I don't know why but right now I'm really upset and I'm feeling rubbish simple as that but for a few moments, I didn't. I kept it to myself. I was, it was late at night. I was in the living room. Started crying. You know, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But then, you know, give it half an hour. And I, I was, it was on my mind. You know, it's really important to talk, and you have to. And then I did. You know, I went went to, to see my wife and chatted about it. And as soon as I talked about it, of course, like you do feel so much better. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Burnt Chef Journal, a hospitality-specific podcast dedicated to challenging mental health stigma and conversations designed to inspire a new, healthier, happier, and more sustainable hospitality profession. This week, we're chatting to Razak, who is the founder of a charity called Eat With Better. Razak lost his brother, Beda, unexpectedly back in April 2017 when he decided to take his own life. Since then, Razak and his family have taken a collective decision to work to increase awareness around mental health and suicide prevention in order to reduce the number of people suffering in silence and feeling that taking their own life is the only option. It's amazing to see organizations and charities working in different fields and using different initiatives to help open these conversations. This is very much a sort of fly-on-the-wall conversation, so I hope that you enjoy the format of this and we look forward to hearing your feedback. The Burnt Chef Project is proudly sponsored by Lamb Weston, a leading provider of innovative, high-quality potato products created for chefs to help operators thrive both today and tomorrow. Working carefully with sustainably-minded farmers and growers, Lamb Weston provides potato solutions for every type of kitchen, from premium British chips and fries to potato shapes, wedges, and mash. To find out more, head to lambweston.eu or search your partner in potatoes. Yeah, it sounds like you're a man on multiple missions, which I get, (laughs) but it's also, you know, we're realizing the fragility of, of the fact that we are only, again, only human. And sometimes that even we need to rest, <laughs> which is something that you feel like you never need, right? Yeah, it's, it's practice what you preach. And, you know, maybe 95% of the time, I feel like I can do it and it's no issue. But it's, yeah, it's recognizing that, you know, whatever percentage it is or the times that you can't this week with how busy everything's been. I was expecting it, but you've got to be open about it. That You know, I need that time off. Otherwise, you're going to get an average version of me which I don't want and it can be avoided by taking that time out and and equally you know everything can wait as exciting as it is to have this conversation or do that or attend this event doesn't have to happen nothing's going to really fall over yeah I've had the same conversation with my team recently and and I will explore explore more about better and yourself in a little moment but I feel like you and I are going to have quite a decent conversation because I was only talking to my team and they're like, look, we, we just feel like we're letting you down because we can't work at the pace that, you know, we feel like we should be working for you. You know, you've got all these exciting projects on the go. And I said, 
but that's not sustainable. I said, it's not sustainable for me and it's not sustainable for you. So we're going to need to start to put in place a process that allows us to start pushing back and saying, actually, like not now, maybe in six months, maybe in three months, but it's about being able to be productive and keep keep everyone's morale up as well. Because whilst it's great doing great things for people, yeah, at some stage you go, actually, do you know what? It's taking too much of a hit on me personally. So I'm just going to have to step back from it completely. And that's not what we're about really so that's a tough one isn't it no one ever explains that to you when starting a charitable organization yeah i can identify with that a million percent that's why you know we'll come on to it, i'm sure that covid and moments to reflect are invaluable to really like sort of look where you're going and, and equally it's not defined by how long an organization has been running but there are moments where at the start it was a great idea and really good to do but at this moment in time it isn't and there are other ways to spend your time because effectively there are forever, you know, a sea of opportunities, but only relevant to go after them if they can have as big an impact as possible, you hope, and it's as effective as possible. So, yeah, I, I can fully identify and we're, we're very lucky that, you know, whilst day to day it's me with the ideas and the conversations, I equally recognize because of the day job, because of knowing what I'm good at and bad at, there's plenty I'm bad at and others are better at. So, we're super lucky to have a social media manager who who does social media, but a lot more and a partnership manager to have those sort of day-to-day conversations. And we can't do what we do without them. And uh, But equally, I've got to be open with them because by, when they're working, it takes time for me to give them direction. And even when people want to volunteer, I want people to be involved with the charity, of course, but I also want them to feel like their time is being used efficiently and valuably. Otherwise, they're not going to get as much out as, as they really want. So I can identify a million percent with what you're saying. I'm sure we'll explore some of that during this conversation, but I definitely think that we should segregate some time in the diaries so we can sit down in, in a relaxed format where I haven't got COVID and you're not <laughs> having a, a well-deserved week off and just have a chat because I think that there's a lot we could learn from each other in regards to this. But I mean, I, I'm curious. I've, I've done my own research about Better and you came up in conversation fairly recently with the guys at, lucky saint actually only yesterday it was almost fortuitous i said i thought oh well hold on a sec we're going to be speaking to you but explain to me how have you i mean you're still obviously a, you know you're practicing ip lawyer but also at the same time you know you're running this charity how's that all come about so better was founded in november 2019 and it was founded simply because i lost my younger brother better who sadly took his own life at the age of 18 in april 2017 so we set it up as a family to do good in his name and, and to raise awareness around the issues of both mental health and suicide prevention. But it's set up as, as much more than a family charity. We, we really want it and, and believe it is becoming a platform for us all to play our part in raising awareness. And personally, I've always been involved in charity fundraising and supporting different causes that, that were close to my heart, whether it's through running a marathon or doing an event. And, and when we lost better, Obviously, my focus turned to mental health. It was, it was a topic and an area that I hadn't, and suicide prevention. That they're both things that I'd never come across in my my years on this on this earth. But they very much became it when we lost better. So I ran the London Marathon. I raised a lot of money for a great charity, but I never felt that I'd really done something fulfilling, even though we raised a great amount of money and it definitely helps the relevant charity. So then I started looking. Well, what else can we do? And that's why the idea of starting a charity in Better's name name came came to my mind. Because if you're going to do something, do it properly and do something that can have as 
bigger impact for as long as possible on, on people rather than sometimes, you know, you organize an amazing charity event or an event, but then if people didn't come, then they missed it. And then if they did come, you know, you'll talk about it for a couple of days after and then it's finished. So our whole approach with Better is, is to take a unique approach to raising awareness. We're not here to compete with the other charities. We're not here to recreate the wheel because there are amazing charities doing amazing things. So we have a mental health partner, which is Shout. And we want to, you know, encourage people to, tr- to check out their tech service and, and promote the work that they're doing. And we have a suicide prevention partner, which are Samaritans. They also have an amazing 24-7 helpline and we want to signpost people to that. So we see ourselves as, as a charity that can do both mental health and suicide prevention. Of course, we're not going to say that every suicide is, is connected to mental health struggles, but there's a huge synergy between it. And we want to take this unique approach to raising awareness by effectively bringing people together who, who share similar interests. So whether that's through education, recreation, sport, mindful painting, concerts, cooking, it can be a whole range of different topics, events and initiatives. But it's that chance to put some time in the diary for self-care, to do something you've always wanted to do, to do something you've, you haven't done for a long time, to do something you've always wanted to try and bring people together who don't have to have suffered with mental health to be a part of what we're doing. You don't have to have experienced loss through suicide to be a part of what we're doing. But by buying our cookbook, by coming to our concert, by playing for Better FC, which is our football club, you're becoming part of the better community. You're playing your part in, in raising awareness, either directly or indirectly. And hopefully we have fun whilst doing it. And it makes sense now because on your website, it says it's a unique approach to softly raising awareness around mental health and suicide prevention, which I was quite curious about because for me, I'm quite aggressive with the, with our message. You know, I, I'm thrusting it in front of people's faces and we do that through various you know, various activities and activations. I was just intrigued to see what softly raising was about and, and you've explained because, and it's a completely different approach and it's one that I've not really considered before just, yeah, by creating that sense of community and that sense of, you know, belonging. And if people then join the football club, for example, for, for sports and activity based and fitness based, they are actually generally becoming more aware of this subject matter. So it's, it's a great idea, a great model. Thank you. We've had those examples come where a guy started playing football for us and he thought, you know, I was just coming to play a bit of football. It's, you know, a nice day out. He's like, actually, it's really helped me. And and even, you know, there are the odd occasions that we do go towards the statistics and and make more of a point of it. For example, every November we have the better challenge and, and that's based on the number of people who took their own life, sadly, in the year before. So this year, I remember, I think it was 5,197. So it's encouraging people to run 5.197 kilometers throughout November. And the first year we did it, which was two years ago, the number was 5691. Anyway, I got this incredible email from a guy who who got involved with the challenge. And it was the same story. You know, I got initially involved because the rugby boys were doing it and it was a fun challenge to have a lockdown. But since that and being more aware of, of everyone and the camaraderie within the group, I realized that I have, you know, to address my own mental health issues and it's been a revelation, like life-changing for him because he then started therapy and he's become much more aware of where he's at. So our approach to softly raising awareness is proving helpful. Of course, there may be opportunities missed, but yeah, our, our approach is definitely focused on, on on the soft approach. That's amazing. In terms of, obviously, you're, you know, there's a big focus on suicide and it's one of the things that I feel very passionate about, within, certainly within hospitality, I don't know. Oh, perhaps it's because I'm working in this field, but I'm hearing about it so much more frequently. And it surprises me that the you know, the ONS is saying, well, actually, the 
you know, in the UK, the Office of National Statistics is saying suicide rates are, are decreasing for the first time in 10 years or so. Yeah, I'm thinking I've heard of multiple cases within the last six weeks, like more so now than I've ever heard. I mean, what's your experience of that yourself? Do you think that they're all getting reported, that it is going down? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a really difficult subject based on what I was saying, the better challenge that two years ago it was 5691 and last year it was 5197. So in theory, it's going down. And that's a, a positive if, if that is the case and, and one that should be recognized. But equally, I took some time to chat with Samaritans about the statistics and the numbers. And it is difficult how the numbers are generated, when they're generated, how things are reported and, and how they're not. So I think to a degree, it has to be taken with a pinch of salt. And hopefully it is going down. That's why we're doing what we're doing in, in our various areas. But equally, it can be a topic that as you get older, we do more of what we do. It's around us a lot more, sadly. So to the statistics, I try not to pay too much attention to them for different reasons. But of course, you know, our whole aim of, of why we're here is, is to try and reduce them. So if we can do that, then that's the end of the game. Yeah, it is definitely. And the most ironic thing about both of our work is that often enough, you'll never know that you've helped someone. And that was something that we, that I had to come to terms very early. It was like, well, how do we know that we've actually helped someone? And the psychologist at the time said, you'll never know. You'll never know. Just know that you probably have. And at some stage, you know, you might hear about it, but just know that your existence, even if it touches one person, is is immeasurable and invaluable. So I think that just the existence of being able to share this space with, with individuals like yourself is incredible. What are you thinking, or what, in your experience, in your own words, what's the sort of biggest barriers that you found to people talking about the subject of mental health and the subject of suicide, which for many is, is still incredibly stigmatized and, and uncomfortable? I think it's that sense of knowing what to say, how to say it, overthinking it, you know, worrying what people are going to think, are they going to be judged, the whole stigma surrounding it, that, that, that there are so many bits to it. But I think by, by leading by example, I think that's showing that vulnerability does give people the strength to do it. And I know you hear people say it all the time, you know, it's a sign of strength. Like showing vulnerability is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. And I think you just have to, as I said, lead by example. And, and, and that's what I found, what we're trying to do with, with the charity. You know, it's been set up, sadly, because my, my young brother's no longer with us. And it's trying to use that life experience to inspire others. And, and, and what you mentioned a second ago about it is hard to know the impact you may or may not have is a huge part for us at the moment because on the face of it, we're a charity that is focused on raising awareness. You know, we do a whole range of events. We've got different initiatives. So how do we know if it has reached someone, if it's an effective, you know, and, and helpful thing that we're doing versus some of the other organizations out there which have helplines and have tech services and they can say, we answered this many calls. We received this many text messages. And it's something we're going to be working to continue to raise awareness, but also to have a measurable impact in, in an area that I think is, is lacking. But it's tough because even being the founder of Better and trying to advocate, it's really important to talk. There are moments when personally, I found it difficult to talk. And it's crazy to say it and to think it, but it's important to be honest about it. You know, there were times maybe six, seven months ago where I got upset. It was related to, to, to my brother, but I got upset and it should be easy enough just to go to my wife and say, I don't know why, but right now I'm really upset and I'm feeling rubbish. Simple as that. But 
for a few moments I didn't. I kept it to myself. I was it was late at night, I was in the living room, started crying, you know, oh I'll be fine, I'll be fine. But then, you know, give it half an hour and I, I was it was on my mind, you know, it's really important to talk and you have to. And then I did, you know, I went to, went to, to see my wife and chatted about it. And as soon as I talked about it, of course, like you do feel so much better. And it's but it, but it is interesting that sometimes however much you say it, it does sometimes take time for people to feel ready to do it. But all I hope is, yeah, by, by sharing my experience and, and talking as openly and authentically about what I've come across or what I've experienced can help others. And then there's that ripple effect that it gives people the strength to, to talk about it more. Yeah. And thank you for sharing as well, because as I say, for, for certainly, you know, across all genders, it's difficult, but there's a machoism, there's a stoicism that we're, we're, we've been taught over hundreds of years as, as men. To, uh, it's a sign of weakness to have any emotion. In fact, you should be numb inside and not experience anything. That's what a true man is about. And you're like, actually, no, to deny yourself a feeling of emotion and to try and suppress it is denying yourself what it is to be human. But it will only come and bite you in the ass. And whether that's in two years' time or 50 years' time, it will, it will come and bite you in the ass because it's unnatural to do that. So in terms of the initiatives that you have running, we've mentioned Better FC currently. We spoke initially about Better's Kitchen and the cookbook that you've put together. Can you tell me a little bit about the background of that? Are you a foodie yourself? I do, you know, enjoy my food. I do enjoy cooking at home. So I'd say yes, but I'm not going to hold myself out to be um, some, you know, professional home cook that's going to win the next tv show but we began as a charity that focused on in-person events so that was a great chance to bring people together and and create that community and it was going incredibly well for for three months effectively from when we started in november 2019 up until march 2020 we did michael painting we did a concert union chapel in london for over 700 people and it was flying but then covid obviously hit and we all went online which was a good thing from us reviewing where we've got to as a charity and, and made me realize that the in-person stuff is super important and it definitely builds a community. But because of my sometimes lack of time and being London-based, we can't do events outside of it. And mental health, these issues are much more than a London-centric problem and we want to be more than just a, a London-centered charity. So one thing that we started to do was reaching out to a whole range of, of chefs across social media to see if they'd be interested in doing online cooking classes, whether via Zoom or via Instagram. And one of our ambassadors, Judy Caller, is, is a quite a well-known chef and published two cookbooks. So she hosted the first one for us. And we suddenly realized that, especially during lockdown and COVID, it was an amazing way to still bring people together and to give someone something to follow and create something and share it and maybe learn a new skill or a new recipe. So it proved really popular and I started to connect with a, a whole range of different chefs and foodies because you know everyone had the time and the availability to, to support something like this and it also opened my eyes having had more conversations with those in the industry of the issues and concerns of mental health in the hospitality industry that i think as a normal consumer every day i'm gonna say i didn't i didn't fully appreciate because you know you come in to your reservation you have your meal and you leave and you don't know much more about the bigger picture so when covid well, the first lockdown was coming to an end and the, cook- the cooking classes were proving so popular. I wanted to, to do more, to continue the, the momentum that I felt we were building. So the idea of publishing a cookbook came to mind. Um, but it's safe to say, I had absolutely no idea what really goes into putting a cookbook together. Wow. So what we did was we, we reached out to all of the chefs who had supported us 
up until that point and continue to reach out to more. And we got to this incredible position where we had over 100 chefs providing recipes, which we then chose 90 chefs and 90 individual recipes to go into our cookbook, our first cookbook called From Better's Kitchen, that is effectively a collection of recipes from leading chefs like Gordon Ramsay and Yotamatalenghi, restaurants like Hawksmoor, Dashoom, and, and Caravan, to then other foodies such as MasterChef winners, um, leading bloggers, and the whole sort of, not the whole, but a great spread of, of the food and hospitality industry into one book that, that softly raises awareness. So that there are a whole range of recipes, as I mentioned, that cover breakfast to fast food to soul food to desserts. But what made it hopefully more than just a, a typical cookbook was at the bottom of pretty much all of the, the recipes, there are reflections from the contributors about how they look after their mental health or what advice they'd give to their younger self. And I just think that, that food and cooking together with mental health do go hand in hand. So that's the, the story of really our, of our first cookbook. And, and it, it's proved really popular. We've been very fortunate to have it stocked in Waitrose and Waterstones and Harrods and Whole Foods and, you know, places like that. And equally, it's it's been able to be sent internationally. Like it's stopped in Dubai. We've sent it throughout to people in Europe. But again, it's allowed us to have now a physical product that can raise awareness and, and be more than just London-based and, and can be worldwide. Yeah. And big props to you for doing that. We put together, or I put together a recipe book when I first started, thinking it would be a, an easy feat. And my goodness. Like just trying to get hold of the recipes and editing them, then the images, and then having to go back and make sure the formatting was working. And there's no way we've we've got anywhere near the traction that you have. And there's still sales now, but crikey, to get all of those people to put those recipes together, then to get it listed as well. I mean, no wonder you're having to take a just a, a solitary week off, Russ, like, just to be able to <laughs> just be able to rest. That's incredible. It really is. Yeah, it's a, like most things we've got into, you know. A lot of work, but God, it's, it's so worth it. And when Kimbeda's Kitchen came out, I had an idea for a second cookbook, which is, you know, our next cookbook, Eat With Better, which, which you're a part of, which I'm, I'm delighted about. And, and this one I'm even more excited for because it's the same concept, the same type of chapters, but it's a collection of recipes from inspirational individuals and, and well-known personalities. So we have people from business like Stephen Bartlett and Theo Bafitas to sporting individuals like Judy Murray, Lawrence Acoli, Will Greenwood, to actors and actresses and social influencers and fitness professionals. We've got, you know, an incredible range of personalities who have now all come together, but we've elevated it because we've created bespoke recipes for them based on their tastes. And the mental health content within the book is is, is even stronger. So yeah, we're super, super excited for Eat With Better to come out and, and the support that we've got from the people I've mentioned. But also others like Ella Mills of Deliciously Ella and et cetera is just super exciting to now bring this incredible range of people together who all care about raising awareness. That's class. And when's that due out? Eat With Better is going to come out on the 10th of October this year, which is World Mental Health Day. Plenty of time, but yeah, super, super excited for this because I really feel this can be a you know a huge project to and just a huge project project product and item to yeah raise awareness around these issues yeah 100 percent. if you're enjoying this week's episode consider heading over to our website and supporting our ongoing work in destigmatizing mental illness and creating a healthier happier and more sustainable industry by purchasing some of our branded merchandise 
We have a whole range of t-shirts, hoodies, chef's jackets, well-being journals, plus a whole host more available on Worldwide Dispatch. All funds raised from sales of these items go towards free-to-access e-learning content, as well as providing free support systems and help for those who may be experiencing difficulty with their mental health. And just going back to, we were talking about stats and figures very quickly. When I was looking at your website, I see that you've got quite a lot of partners. I mean, some real great brands here as well. Mental Health Innovations, who run the Successful Shout Service, we've we've been working with them now for, this is our second year, and they do have access to some quite interesting stats, all completely anonymized and very high levels, just basically explaining how many people have contacted and in a generic term, what sort of category it falls in, whether it's depression, anxiety, you know, money issues, whatever it might be. So whilst I remember, there's there's some tremendous information that you can can glean from that service. I'll be happy to share our data with you as well. Again, it's very high level, but it will sort of give you an insight into exactly what we are seeing in hospitality as some of the key areas of problem. And no surprise, high levels of stress and anxiety are close to 70% of all the people that, that use the service. So that's, I think we had one, one and a half thousand conversations last year, in our first year. Um, yeah, so that's what, that's one of the, the key areas that we're going to be focusing on, which is stress mitigation and how we start to actually change that. Because as you might have seen in the news, yeah, hospitality industry has had a bit of a hard time and it continues to, continues to be ravaged. So over here in the UK, VAT is about to be um, put up again. Uh, back to 20%. And, you know, our ambassadors over in places like Canada have experienced an, an equally tough time as well. So I think we just need to try and work as, as swiftly as possible to try and ensure that those who come back or stay into the industry have got a, a nice work life and a healthy balance, really. Yeah, exactly. Please do share those stats. I'd love to see them. And, you know, you, you mentioned our partners or, or just partners and partnerships in general. Our whole approach as, as a charity is, I think, you know, you're stronger together. And we as a charity don't hold ourselves out to be experts or leaders in, in the mental health field, especially across the hospitality industry. But it's certainly an industry that we've, we're have we growing into because of our first cookbook, because of our second, because of some of our partners. But, you know, the example is of us connecting as well. You know, you're doing incredible work in the hospitality space. So it's really, if there's anything that we can do together through whatever is going on, one initiative or another, that can continue to amplify that message and spread the word, then that's what we want to do. And it's easy to do when you do it together and you don't look to recreate the wheel. So it's incredible that you've managed to you know, have those conversations. As I said, I'd absolutely love to see those stats and we will have to definitely pick up, you know, what else can we do that fits authentically? Because huge issues and, and I think just sometimes people don't the general public, let's say, who aren't within the specific industry that we're talking about, don't get it. And it's understandable because, you know, people are in their own lanes and it takes sometimes quite a lot for them to look at another lane or whatever the analogy is. But I think there's a lot that we can do to bring it to people's attention and give them that understanding. So, yeah, we'd love to do more. Brilliant. I mean, there is something that I'm working on currently and that I've had in my back pocket since September of last year. And again, you know, we go back to the beginning of a conversation, time, energy, resource means that it is firmly placed in my back pocket, jabbing me every time I sit down, but I've not been able to take it out yet. But there is something that I'm working on that will thrust a member of the public into 
a hospitality world just for five minutes, just for a simple five minutes that gives them a first-hand experience of what it's like to be with your back against the wall during a busy, you know, busy service, front of house or back of house, doing a 200 cover service, you know, where you've got suppliers who are letting you down because their producers have let them down and you've got customers who are complaining about steaks not being well done when, again, personal preference on steaks is probably a conversation for another day. But the whole purpose of it is is to say, right, you know, Mr. or Mrs., pop you into this environment and let's see how you feel and just try and it's like that paradigm shift isn't it that aha moment where they go oh do you know what here i was griping and moaning about my my salad being three minutes late but actually the person who's serving me is a human being and the person who produces it is a human being and is it really that big a deal but then also playing devil's advocate on the far side of that as well. You've got to bear in mind that customers have got their own stuff going on in their life as well. So it's a very delicate balancing act. But I think it is important that we don't portray the hospitality industry to be a bad industry because it's a fantastic industry. But that just sort of shared view of going, oh, actually, do you know what? You Perhaps you have had a tough day, you know, Jess or Dan or, or Akhtar or whoever it might be. We'll cut you a break over our, <laughs> our £13 meal. Yeah, I agree completely. And it sounds super interesting. It's all about, you know, shared experience. And I think until you've experienced something or you've had that deeper insight, you don't get it. And that's what I certainly learned from speaking to a whole range of different professionals within the hospitality industry and doing our first cookbook and being much more aware to it. And I'm super grateful for that because, as you said, your meal comes cold, it comes late. There are much bigger things. It doesn't matter. But to those who are caught up in their, their own issues or worlds it's something that they do sort of react to and the same now goes for cookbooks god if if anyone or ever, i ever look at a cookbook and think god that's not a very nice photo i think oh my god you don't know how much effort goes into doing these sorts of things but it's only because of you know now lived experience so i think the project or initiative that you, you've got in mind i think sounds sounds really interesting and for sure just give anyone you know five minutes in any role and it will open your eyes to really you know what's involved and what it takes and the stresses and the pressures that people on the face of it just don't get which again is understandable but a shame yeah well let's catch up afterwards about that because it'd be great to be able to you know put our heads together and see how we can best permeate through the levels because there's multiple ways in which this project can be utilized and there's a bit of work that we're going to be doing with regards to almost real-time identification and engagement of someone with mental health concerns without having a direct impact if you you, there's this big thing with mental illness isn't there i can't talk to someone about it because i'm going to make it worse which is the furthest from the truth but to be able to put someone in a safe environment where they can hone their skills and get some muscle memory with regards to it I think is going to be valuable. So that's, yeah, again, I think that that would work well for both of our audiences. Definitely. We're trying to reach, hey? So we'll get that done. So, Razak, having not really known much about mental health myself when I started in this, other than my own personal experience of illness, I've learned quite a few things along the way about how my brain works, how my body works, how best to look after myself, and also where my limits are as well. But I'm intrigued from your perspective of being on this journey yourself. What have you learned about yourself over this period of time and how to manage your health? I've learned that exercise is a big thing for me as an example to manage my mental health and that 
there are certain things that really help me but don't help others and but communicating that and talking about it is helpful because it can open your eyes i think until i lost my brother mental health and suicide were topics that i'd never had to experience luckily and even to this day despite doing everything that we do through better my mental health has been good but i'm much more aware of look keeping an eye out in case it isn't i'm much more aware from a suicide prevention and, and a you know, mental health perspective of potential triggers though that that can upset me or unbalance me so i've become much more aware of myself my feelings and hopefully other people's as well though it's still difficult to sometimes understand things that i haven't experienced so my wife has suffered with her mental health and has her own mental health you know demons that i haven't personally experienced those those symptoms and those feelings so i do try to listen and be there for her and or others that have, you know come across but sometimes it is i have to also hold my hands up that it's tough and it's okay not to know the answer but just to try and provide that space and just listen at other really important skills and tools i feel i'm learning i think it's it's forever a process that with time you continue to build and grow both my own toolkit but also knowing how to help others but also understanding that sadly with mental health it can take some time to overcome it whereas you know as we all know the, the analogies of you break this or you break that you're typically going to be out to four to six weeks it would be amazing if that was the case with how long are you going to suffer with depression how long is it going to take you to overcome your grief that would be ideal to have a time frame on it and it's rubbish that there isn't and that it can take 10 times that length of time but i think by doing what we're doing with better and trying to grow a community and work with others in the space like yourself who really care i'm really excited by what we can do and i really feel you know we all have a part to play and, and there are so many people who want to do it but don't know how to in, in their individual capacity to everything that you're doing and that we're doing give people that opportunity but i think yeah most importantly because of everything that's going on i've also got to be like really honest and it's what we talked about at the start is you've got to put yourself first you know there are social pressures that you're expected to do this or you know people may think badly if you don't attend this event or you don't do that and at the end of the day if it isn't right for you then you've got to be honest about it. And I was having this conversation last night, actually, with a, with a really good friend of mine who has also experienced mental health and, and lost through suicide. But when things aren't right for you or they trigger you or, or they're uncomfortable, say no. But if you can just give a little bit of you know, an explanation, you can talk about why, then that brings people on that journey with you to help them understand. So... I think it's an interesting one, but the story that we talked about last night was Christmas. My friend finds Christmas really, really difficult because he'd lost someone in his immediate family a number of years ago. And for some reason, he finds Christmas difficult still, which is understandable. But rather than in this example, just saying, mm, I don't want to celebrate Christmas, I don't like it. People who haven't had that experience may find it hard to understand. Why? You know, Christmas is such a nice time. I'm really looking forward to it. Why are you not? You know, it's time to be together, it's family, it's time off. But then if you go that step further and say, I'm not looking forward to Christmas, it isn't a time I enjoy because of X, Y, and Z. I'm hoping it will change, but I just want to tell you where I'm at and why I'm there. Hopefully you can understand. And I, I really feel that 
nine times out of ten. You know, if you do, then explain your thoughts. People will will understand, and it, it just again goes down to talking and communication. The more that we can communicate with whatever's on our mind, however big or small we we may think it is, it can do the world of good, and it can make a, a huge difference to you and to the others around you. So that's sort of a, a jumbled journey and lessons that I've learned since since really being around you know better as a charity and losing my brother. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't wish a mental illness or, you know, suicide on anyone, you know, whether that's someone who's experiencing it themselves or someone who has, you know, is experiencing it through a family member or friend. But for having experienced a couple of versions of mental illness, you know, including depression in the past, I, t- I try to reframe it as a superpower because, as you say, it does give you that well-rounded view of not just how your own brain works but it also gives you this level of empathy for other human beings and which is where our photos came from which was really a case of you just never know what's going on behind the scenes and for years i used to walk around thinking that everyone walked around with a big empty space in their head and i felt envious of every last person on the planet because i wasn't like that and there was a lot going on inside my head but it turns out that actually having gone through that and having gone through the therapy and everything else that was with it I'm not alone. And now I look at people and go, oh, I wonder what's going through their head. I wonder, you don't know what's happened to them that morning. You don't know what's going through their life. So cut them a slack. And it's not to say I'm a perfect human being. I still beat my horn in the car sometimes out of frustration. You know, <laughs> I am human still. I experience frustration. But, you know, I think it definitely is a superpower. And you touched upon something else as well, which is a big, big question that we get, especially at trade shows. There's two stories, actually. But one of the questions we kept getting in the Excel at the International Salon Culinaire was, I can't fix people's problems and it's making me really frustrated. How do I go about doing it? And you've just hit the nail on the head, which is understanding that you do not have the answer or solution and that different things can take a different period of time to, to repair. But just being able to hold that space and listen and show someone that you're there actually has more of a profound impact than just being able to go, well, actually, do you know what? This is a really good thing and this will work for you. Because often enough, it's not what you say. It's just the fact that you're there and you're sharing that experience, which has got the most power and will be the most benefit to that individual. Yeah. And it's scary not to know the answer. It's scary for someone, and I had it last week with someone super close to me, to tell me stuff that is worrying and I don't know what to say. And I don't have the answer because we want to have the answer. We want to be able to help. But all I could say was nothing, but just be there to listen. And well, I hope to God that that does help. And it does. But, you know, people, when they come through the other side, it's acknowledged that this is really helpful to do. But just to go back on, on to what you said, you know, what we really try to do as a charity is when we work with a whole range of different individuals is, is give people that chance to get to know the individual behind the personality. Because as you, as you say, you know, they could be a leading movie star or social influencer or just, you know, a member of the public. You don't know what goes on in people's lives and they could look, you know, that Instagram versus reality to be living, you know, an amazing life. But I think it's really important to give people that chance to get to know the individual. And then you suddenly realize that, they may go through what you also go through, or you may go through what they also are going through, and, and that you're not alone, and it's always always the case. And I always find it, well, it's rubbish to connect with someone who's sadly lost someone or has suffered with a mental health issue, because you don't want anyone to suffer with those or to experience loss. That's why we're doing what we're doing. But equally connected to sort of, you know, your reference to it being a superpower, 
it's actually another positive. It's a, it's a slight positive of, of the experience that we've gone through. And I find that you make an incredible, genuine connection with that person in seconds compared to maybe, you know, those school friends that you've known for 10, 20 years that still remain, you know, fun and nice to see, but superficial that, you know, you don't feel comfortable to talk about what's in your mind. Whereas, you know, let's say I meet someone and they tell me that they've also experienced loss of suicide. Then for that connection and that shared experience, whilst it's completely and utterly rubbish, I or they feel much more comfortable. And we, we've only known each other for five minutes or well, not even five minutes sometimes. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I think it can be a benefit or a positive when we're able to use it in the way that we're trying to use it. That's all we're trying to do, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you must be familiar with Johan Hari. I'm not. No? No. Oh, again, I should never assume. Here we are talking about not making assumptions based on, you know, life and stuff. And Johan Hari, you must have check him out. So he is a ex-Guardian reporter. And he was one of the reasons why I, I really threw myself into this space is because when I was quite unwell, someone suggested that I read this book called Lost Connections. And Johan Hari had experienced depression ever since he was in his teens. And they just kept upping his antidepressant medication. And it was he was gaining weight, he was feeling rubbish about himself, and he was finding that actually it wasn't improving anything. So he started looking at the subjects of depression and anxiety around the world and looking at it in different cultures and speaking to a lot of different professionals he put this book together that showed that actually yes you know mental health issues such as anxiety and depression can be caused by biology and things that have happened within our childhood and childhood trauma but also not to underestimate what's going on in the world and how it's impacting us so you know are we connected with nature do we have connection with other human beings are we feeling like our work is valued and that we're making a contribution to the world? You know, all of these sort of little nuances that actually when you start to look at it, for me, it was a big aha moment. And you go, actually, yeah, hold on a second. I'm fighting against my nature or my innate needs. And that's what's making me sick to a certain degree. So it's a really, really interesting book. And if you have a way of contacting him as well, you know, definitely use it because he's a very interesting character and he's got some quite interesting views on, on the subject of mental illness and mental health. And it's certainly worked, you know, reading his book a couple of times has helped me massively. Well, thank you for introducing him to me. Yeah, it sounds sounds really, really interesting. And there's so much out there, you know, and that's the beautiful thing, but it can really help someone hearing this and they may not have known about it before and if it doesn't then at least they've, they've you know learned something new and if they do then that's the beauty of what's out there so thank you very much chris i will look into him no worries and before we go was there anything in particular that you have coming up in terms of events that our audience can hear about anything they can be part of so I've just had a concert at the Jazz Cafe, which was you know, a great success and an amazing chance to bring lots of people together. So we will be looking to schedule another music concert in the near future, definitely before the end of the year. But the big thing that we're working on is Eat With Better, which is our next cookbook that, as I mentioned, is coming out on the 10th of October. So we'll be looking to activate that through a range of cooking classes and in-person events. And then I'd say other than that, for the time being, what is definitely in the diary is if anyone is a fan of football and likes to get involved, we, we have Better FC, which is our, our football club that plays monthly. Our home ground is Meadowbank Stadium in Dorking. So if people ever want to play, we typically play on the first Saturday of every month. 
from six to late eight pm and it's a really nice chance to you know get a great group together it's open to both men and, and, and women so yeah i'd probably say those two things at the moment whilst i yeah then plan the future I can see it in your eyes, and our, our listeners can't see it, but there's a glint in your eyes. I can see a man who's got a number of additional ideas running through his head at this moment in time, so <laughs> very interested to see what's coming. Well, I know you know the feeling, so yeah, there's always lots to come. Good. Well, thank you ever so much for joining us today, and if people wanted to find out more about you, where could they head? To head to our website, which is www.bedder.org.uk or our Instagram, which is better underscore UK. Perfect. Razak, thank you ever so much, sir. Thank you very much, Chris. Cheers. Cheers.